Hi, and welcome back to Beer with Jesus with Denise and Rob. And I'm having coffee, so it's not beer, but it's really, really good. And, well, you know I'm having a beer, because that's what I do. I'm going back to, uh, and I still got like two more beers left from this, lined up for the podcast from this brewery. It's uh, from Destill Brewery. From uh, They're out of Illinois. This one apparently won some award. I can't. It's They won the 2021 Gold Juicier Hazy IPA in the Great American Beer Festival. And the beer is Tour Bus. Again, this they have the Deadhead. You like Herbert list of the Grateful Dead or seen any of that stuff. This kind of has that Grateful Dead kind of psychedelic tie-dye, rainbowish hippie. stuff. Hippie. It's called Tour Bus. It's a double dry hopped IPA, hazy IPA. Comes racking at 7.4%. And quite honestly, well maybe I've had so many good double dry hop beers. What does it mean, double dry hop? I'm not exactly sure. Well, you say it like you know what it means. I just call it DDH. <laughs> You're the beer maker. I'm not. I know, but I never knew. I, I, well, I never did the dry hopping. Or... I thought being a gold medal winner would be really, really good, stinking good. It's good, but it's. I'm, I'm giving it a four. I mean, I can't give it much higher than that. Only thing I can think of is the hops is added after the the steeping. I always cooked mine in, so it's. I mean, it's good. It's solid. I I drink it several times. I think that's the last one I had of it. Of it, I got it in a mix pack. So tonight, normally you hear me. Running the show on here, but... Rob studied the wrong assignment. I did. (laughs) Denise told me Hebrews 10 and 11, and yes, we'll be covering that here soon, but she meant to start out with Hebrews 9, so guess what? I'm unprepared, so I'm letting her lead this, but that's okay. Well, you have to have the context of 9 to understand 10 and 11, so we'll just... Open there. Yeah. But when I, I read it earlier and I thought about Exodus. It, yeah. So I quickly went back to Exodus because I, through one of my podcasts, I learned stuff from the Bible Project. They were, I'm, I've been listening to everyone. I'm in year 2022 on their podcast. It started in 2016. So I'm listening to every single one. But they were talking about different things in the, Exodus in this the series I was on and man it just kinda like boom this this is right along what this thing so I was like that works out good. They always talk about hyperlinks, this hyperlink back to Exodus, so you wanna do the reading or you want me to just go? What do you want part, part you want me to read? We're gonna start with one, go to ten. Okay. So we're going to do Hebrews 9 tonight, and then we'll take a break from this next week for our little special Valentine's, pod- Day. Valentine's Day podcast, and then we'll get back into what the notes I already have down. <laughs> so here we go. 
Hebrews 9. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna. Aaron's staff that had budded in the... That's crazy that, that it budded. <laughs> and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail right now. He must have had a podcast, whoever wrote Hebrews, couldn't fit it all in. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry out their carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed, as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration of the present time, indicating the gifts and sacrifices being offered. We're not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink, and various ceremonial, ceremonial, uh, ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. So, should I read a little okay. bit of Exodus? Now, we'll go over to Exodus 35. And this is a little small, I'm going to read it real quick, because I think to understand, for me, to understand Hebrews 9, 1 through 10, I need to go back to Exodus, and turn the time of Moses in 35. So we'll just start, it's, it's uh, 35, 1 through 28, I'll try to read it, real, or 29, I'll try to quick, quickly read this. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a Sabbath. Rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it should be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. So if you think about that, that refers back to the creation story. It seems like everything in the Old Testament refers back to Genesis 1 and 2. So verse 4, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded from what you have. Take an offering for the Lord, everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, <clears throat> and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather. And I think this is where they were talking about in the podcast that some translations say it's like dolphin skin. That, I thought that was pretty wild. And Casey Wood, I guess that's how you pronounce it, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle with its tent and its coverings, claps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the ark with its poles, and the atonement cover, and the curtain that shields it. 
the table with its poles and all its articles and the bread of presence, the lampstand, that is for the light with its, with its accessories, lamps, and oil for the light, the altar of the incense with its poles, the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, the curtain for the doorway at the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles, and all its utensils, the bronze basin with its stand, the curtains of the courtyard with its posts and bases, and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle, and for the courtyard, and the ropes, the woven garments for the ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved then came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of, for the work on the tent of the meeting, for all its service and for all the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches. Is that? I don't know. Some jewelry. I don't know. Earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn or fine linen, or goat hair, ram skins dyed red, or other durable leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord, and everyone who had a kasia, a kia, I don't know, some had kind of... Had an kia? <laughs> had a kia? I can't pronounce it. A kasia wood? For any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought it, brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had the skill spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. They also brought spices of olive oil for the light and the anointing oil and, and for the fragrant incense. And all the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses has commanded them to do. That is 1 through 29. Okay, the reason this chapter is so special to me is years ago at Christ Chapel, we had a Wednesday night group and we rebuilt the replica I mean, like, kind of like a Barbie doll version, but we rebuilt this whole tabernacle and we learned so much from doing it. You had the outer courtyard that had the altar where you took the animal. You did this once a year. So think about all the things that you've done wrong in one year and you had to tell this priest so that he could go into the holy, most holy of holies to get forgiveness for you. And... The first room stands out because it says in there that the first room only has a lamp stand. So you can presume that the room was somewhat dark. That's what I was going to say. It had to be kind of dark. But the lamp stand, how many times in the book of Psalms did you hear David say that you are a lamp unto my feet? So Jesus represented that lamp. Jesus is all throughout. His representation is throughout this entire tabernacle. And then you had the table that had the bread. We take communion. We took it today. And Jesus is the bread of life. I mean, we are to do that. Take that. It. And once a month, once a week. Some people do it every Sunday. And you got you can't have a thing that says they're without, never without blood. And then we do the communion, the yeah. juice. And that's supposed to represent his blood. But they, the high priest, 
when he went into the second room, that's basically today's version of our salvation. The second room beyond the curtain had the golden altar with the incense. Well, when we get saved, it is like an incense to heaven. So we entered that second room. When we entered the first room and we, you know, partook of seeing the light from the lamp stand and we took part of the bread, we accepted salvation. And then the second room is usually represents like your repentance and that lights the incense to heaven. And then the most holy of holies, once they entered that room, if that priest was not cleansed i mean if he was not set apart yeah, in his time whole... he had they had a tie a rope around the priest's leg because they would be struck down dead i think they talked about that Leviticus, didn't they and yeah they would have to pull them out i mean you can't enter that room nothing was like once a year they could go in there and that's why i think it wasn't sustainable because it if I told Rob, hey, I did this sin, I need you to go to God for me, my conscience isn't going to be clear because did Rob really do it? Um, how do I know? How do I know that I was actually forgiven? Because I didn't, I didn't directly go to the source. I didn't talk to God. Rob did. Well, what if your offering wasn't correct? You know, it had to be like a perfect goat or something. Whatever, a perfect animal or you sacrifice the wrong thing or it was complicated i mean it it never it didn't clear your conscience it did not make you feel forgiven which is the whole purpose and the reason why jesus had to come because now we can directly we can go to the holy of holies not because of anything that we've done not because we're worthy but because jesus stood in that gap and now we are allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, and we don't need that rope tied to our foot. So, the man-made tabernacle was not good enough. It was not going to sustain us for years down the road. So, God had to do something, intervene, and that's where Jesus came in. It seemed like our podcast dog is making her presence known here. Yeah, she's getting whiny. You ready to move on? Yeah, you did really well. Well, my notes are bad. I got ADD, so I've got squiggly lines and abstracts everywhere where I, my brain went too fast. I had to slow down rewind. I'm a little more structured. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, look, squirrel. <laughs> We're on uh, verse 11 in uh, Hebrews 9 now. And our... Both our Bibles should say this is the blood of Christ. Yes. But when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and cats, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Man. Whew. Whew. Sorry. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled 
on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the while the one who is made is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll on all the people. He said, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary, then, for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, not to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once and for all the culmination of ages to do away with sin by sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after the fact to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he'll appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those all who are waiting for him. Whew, that one was bringing me to tears. It, it kind of brings it all into perspective. I mean, and you think about what we, I mean, we're talking about blood, and it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> I mean, in this context, it, it's a beautiful thing, but the shedding, the sh <coughs> shedding of blood is like, I, mean, I don't know, if you're out and you're doing something, and you cut yourself and you see blood, some people panic, some people pass out kind of it it's not a natural thing it's and what Jesus did is certainly supernatural and it, it, it's overwhelming when you think about it well you know like we talked about earlier and before and that stuff they had to do this once a year and it was and I just think about how I mean it was just not one person. So just imagine how many things got killed and sacrificed. I could just imagine not only the smell, but how messy. and That's a lot of blood. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure they, they didn't let the animals go to waste. I'm sure they ate it. I don't know. That part I don't know. I mean, I lived back then, so... <laughs> 
But Christ, he... Once he made a sacrifice, that was it. There were, like it said, or he didn't have to do this every year. When he did it, it was done. Yes. Finished. It, it was completed. the uploaded version and the heavenly version of we just, that one death was good enough for everything. And if you were, to, if we were still to do this the old way in today's society, how many high priests do you think there would actually be that would be able to go in that most holy of holies? Not very many people no. at all. Because I don't care how much you love Jesus. It, you still... We still mess up. We, I mean... I mean, we, Jesus even said, you know, like... If you look at a woman lustfully, you already committed adultery. I mean, stuff, you know, taking your eye out. Because if you see, do this. I, if you still take that hand off and... You know, they literally cut your hand off in the Middle East and you steal, but it's another story. But we're we're not perfect, you know. We would be in a world of hurt right now if Jesus had not came because I don't, there would probably maybe be 10 people in the world. And they'd probably could go. all be blind because they had no eyeballs, <laughs> no hands. Can't hear. Can't walk because you took <laughs> off your feet and your hands. But I mean, we would all be in trouble. And how long would it take them to do it if they had to do the, you know, you tell them your sin, how how many people are in the world that they'd have to go in atonement for so many millions of people. So it's much more effective the way Jesus did it. Thank God he, he, he did. I'm thankful. Um, when we accept the salvation of Jesus... It clears up a few things because with the tabernacle, it was once a year. So that tells me it limited your access to God. We could only, you know, get our sins forgiven once a year. And I know the way I live, probably the way Rob lives. I mean, we mess up every day somewhere, I'm sure. We would probably mess up two hours after the priest went in there. Like, man. Now i got to save that for next year. But it limited access to God. With Jesus, there is no limit. You could go to him at any time. Constantly is what I have to do. I, I mean, I was walking through the store today, and I, I honestly did not feel like I was walking by myself. It felt like he was right there. It was pretty cool. But with Jesus allows us that constant access to heaven. I was thankful for, you know, just the break in the wet. I thank him just for the break in oh, the, the wet. Oh, the sunshine, yes. I, like, I, I said the other day, you know, I mean, we had like three weeks of just gloomy weather and, and the sun came out the other day and I said, I'm not sure I can work in these conditions. I'm not used to it. But, you know, there's time, you know, like I said, I pray over that adult bookstore to go out of business every day. But I always, when I pray, I don't pray just for it to be closed. I pray that it get, and since there's so many Haitians, I, I added in my neighborhood, I added maybe turn it into a Haitian market, something, you know, to uplift the neighborhood. But that's just a, that's a <coughs> and there's my ADD moment. 
But that store's I, been there for years. I I like to thank God every time before. I'm like, hey, thank you for the workload day. That might be a lot, might be less. I'm thankful I have a job. So I'm thankful I like my job. Well, I always liked. I like delivering mail. I just didn't like the way the company was ran. But I think it's our way of making our sacrifice, just acknowledging Christ. You know. Mm, got chill. I did not do shed talk this week because I had to prepare for this. And I also had to prepare for children's church today, which that went over perfect. And thanks to Jesus because he gave me all the ideas for it. So that was awesome. So before we start turn on the phone, I sort of came up with a shed talk. So she's got to do shed talk next week. Well, probably, I think we all heard about David and the lion's den story in Daniel 6. And that was one of the things I prayed earlier this week is let me have the faith of Daniel. And if I'm not going to read the whole story because we read a lot, but I read one chapter, one chapter. I read Exodus. Oh, that's right. Um, well, why not? I'll read it. But it's fun. It's a great story. We got time. So in this time, Nebuchadnezzar's gone. There's another king of the Persian met meta. Medi Persian forces. It's King Darius, and so I'm just kind of give you a backstory so you understand where we're, the setting we're in. And it pleased Darius to appoint 100 satraps, whatever those are, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them. One of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to him, so the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the ministrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the ministrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against the this man Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of God. So the administrators and satraps went, excuse me, as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal ministrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any other, any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he'd done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, 
would be thrown into the lion's den. The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of your one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or the decree you put in writings. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember your majesty, that according to the law of Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. <clears throat> so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continue to rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the, and the rings of the nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to, to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an ang anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I found innocent in his sight, nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found in him, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and, and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. So if we were doing a podcast, this would have been a really good podcast to do. It's a great story. There's so much to unpack. But I just wanted to... <laughs> focus on that Daniel stood his ground he he didn't pray to some false god or or put his trust in something false I mean we do that continually you know with money and all that you know I think a lot of people put money first and almost worship money but he prayed to God every day, three times a day. And I'm sure the number three is significant about that. But we should always continually put our God first. We should put Jesus first in everything and not let anything come between you on that. The thing I get out of that is basically if you're living in sin, regardless of whatever that sin is a lot of people I know uh, are dealing with drug addiction that's your lion's den that drug addiction that sin that you're tied up in that's your lion's den so if this story can get you anywhere is show you that God can rescue you from that lion's den so if you have any kind of struggle with sin trust God 
to pull you out without a mark, without an injury, without any kind of wound. And I think this Daniel chapter 6 kind of works really good with our whole Hebrews line that we're doing. And it really hit me because I really want the faith of Daniel. Just to be able to put my trust. I think we all do. We want to be able to put our trust in everything in God. That, like they say, cast all your anxiety. I want to be able to cast everything and put my full trust in God and know that no matter what, it's still going to be all right. Like the, I love this little ending here. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And I'm going to add, and he will rescue you, too, from your lion. That's our shit talk. That's pretty deep. I've got tears. <laughs> My heart's really been torn for a lot of people with drug addiction. You see it just going through town. I mean, you can see the traces on people's face, and it's heartbreaking <clears throat> because that kind of life leads to no hope. And a friend of ours had someone die recently over another drug overdose, and It's overwhelming. <coughs> well, with that. On to our ending prayer. I don't have a special prayer. I kind of feel like God's telling me to wing it with him. So we're going to wing this prayer. And Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for this day. This beautiful sunshine. It felt good on our face. Jesus, I just want to lift up those that have drug addiction. That you would help pull them out of the lion's den. I know you love them, and your endurance is forever. You never tire from loving us. Like, you never get frustrated. You, you just, your love is continual. I thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for us, that we have a continual access to heaven, that we no longer have to depend on one person to go to the most holy of holies. Jesus paved that way so that we may enter that with confidence and boldness, to see you at the throne. May you be with us all through this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you next week and be prepared to laugh. Uh, I'm looking forward to it and a little, a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> see you next week.